Hey, welcome to the first episode of the Powered by Football podcast. My name is Jackson Taylor, and today we're going to teach the rules of Powerchair Football. I'm joined today by the captain of the Western Sydney Wanderers Powerchair Football team, Ben Key. Ben, how's it going? Good, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Oh, good. The inaugural guest. It's a high honour. I know. It is the first episode. Great to be here. Great initiative as well. Yeah, thank you. So, first thing I'm going to ask you before we get into discussing all the rules and stuff is just like what your history is with the sport. If you want to give a brief overview on that, if that's all right. Yeah, no worries. So, so I've been involved in Patch of Football since 2010, where I first played for Liverpool, actually, Liverpool Football Club. And then I went and moved, played for Central Coast Mariners um, for two seasons, I think. And then from there, I've just played for the Western Sydney Wanderers from 2012. As well as that, I've also played for Australia as well. So I got to play overseas in the World Cup in Paris, uh, as well as representing New South Wales as well, and a few um, national titles. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about sort of your time with the Wanderers and how has that gone, sort of like watching the whole competition grow in your time there. Yeah, so it's, it's amazing to see how quickly the comp has grown, especially having actual A-League clubs, like you mentioned, the Wanderers involved. You know, we have Wanderers, Sydney FC, Newcastle Jets, and then other states we've had, like, Brisbane Raw, Melbourne City, Adelaide United have been involved at some points as well. Mm. So it's really, it's amazing for us to have, you know, professional football clubs look at us and look at our sport and yeah. want to be involved, which I think is great. It's only going to, like, make our sport grow and grow year after year, probably being a bit biased, obviously. But I think what the Wanderers do... Um, for us as a club is really incredible and I think they really are leading the way um, yeah. in the country in of terms course. of I've only had amazing experiences with the Wanderers you know both you guys and the people up higher have been all amazing so yeah Definitely. thank you for that let's get into it so just to kind of give a pitch to the audience what this episode is kind of designed as a sort of entry gateway sort of episode if you are not as familiar with power chair football uh, me and Ben are going to talk about the di- different rules of the sport. We're going to start with the two-on-one rule, which, uh, Ben, you want to give a brief overview of that? Yeah, so the two-on-one rule, I guess, is one of the really unique, I guess, intricacies of our sport that is not in any other type of football. Two-on-one rule is basically if you're in possession of the ball, the defending team cannot have two defenders within a three-metre radius of that attacking player in possession of the ball. So the whole point of that, I guess, is to break the game up break the game open and encourage it to be a, you know, wide-ranging passing game. And, you know, so it doesn't look like sort of under sixes where everyone's flocking to the ball, just chasing it. Yeah, um, Like yeah. chicken, basically, so. Uh, the next thing I've got up here is the three-in-the-box rule. Do you want to give a quick detail of that? If you were the defending team in your own penalty box area, in our football, in Pouch and Football, a defending team can only have the goalkeeper plus one defender. It can be any any one of the three outfielders in our sport. So our sport as well as four and four, just to give a brief summary. Yeah. Um, so three outfielders plus one goalkeeper. So in that defensive area, as I said, we can only have one goalkeeper plus any one of the three um, outfield players as a defender in the box. Any more than that, it is th- what's called a three in a box. And then that will um, result in a indirect free kick. Yeah. So we're going to come back to direct and indirect free kicks later. But one, yep, thing, I did wanna, one thing I did want to add to that is that the box is five metres by eight metres uh, and 16.4 feet by 26.2 feet for anyone who understands that system of measurement very under contact which is 
something that I forced you to experience last week, Benjamin. Hey, Jackson from the future here. I realised that I didn't give a lot of context regarding the contact with between me and Benjamin. So I thought I'd go into that now. Uh, I didn't give contact in the traditional sense and I kind of got sidetracked in this interview. Contact in its initial form will be described later on in the podcast. However, this exact situation was a ball on player contact, which the guards typically protect but cannot always. Uh, he hit the ball into me, which bounced very quickly back into his face. Uh, he is okay, but I just wanted to let you guys know that I did get this wrong. I didn't talk about contact in the correct way, but now you all know both that uh, people who've been in the sport for years can also stuff things up, and also now you can differentiate uh, the correct definition of contact versus me getting it slightly wrong. Back to the show. How are you recovering? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll try and talk a bit about contact. It's basically yep. soft taps are usually like, okay, it's like if you're aggressive using any force in your chair to sort of stop the player from progressing their wheelchair, then that, you know, results in a foul. I think as well, just to pick up on what you're saying is definitely correct. But also um, these days we now have specific coloured tape that's attached to our guards. Oh, of course, yeah. And that, that indicates the area of where a foul is committed in, yeah. in our spot. So with our chairs, anything behind that sticky tape, mm. which goes from almost our front cast all the way through to the back of our chair, yeah. any contact can really be deemed a foul mm. um, and an illegal tackle. There is some leniency regarding from guard to guard contact. Yeah. Because obviously when you're coming up to try and tackle someone, you're bound to sort of have a bit of contact and, you know, yeah. try and jostle the ball off them. Yeah, so the next thing I've got written down on my list is the high ball rule which has tormented certain people such as yourself and another mate of mine, Ryan. This rule is kind of in place because uh, our guards mean that we can't, you know, play in a sort of aerial sense. We're bound to the floor. And if the ball is any higher than that, it's out of our control. We have no influence on it. Play gets stopped and then restarted once the ball is safe on the ground. I was just going to say as well with the high ball, I think also as well as just the way we play, the style of football we play, it's mm. also a safety thing as well. So yeah, a lot of, of course. people that, that play, a lot of people that play our sport may have very limited neck movement. Yes. Uh, some people may even be on CPAPs and BPAPs, so breathing yes. assistive machines. Mm. Uh, so the last thing we want is for them to be knocked Endangered, out, yeah. or or their breathing tube knocked out as they're playing. So it, it is very much also in mind with a safety measurement as well. It's 50.8 centimetres or 20 inches for those at home who need the measurements. Uh, the next thing which I want to get you to talk about, Ben, is the sort of how speed is regulated and speed tests. Yeah, so with our sport, we are very heavily speed tested um, and regulated, as you said. So we can only move forward. So this, the regulations are forward speed is maximum of 10 kilometres per hour and reverse speed is maximum 10 kilometres per hour. And that's 6.2 so, miles as well for anyone. 6.2 miles. Thank you, Jackson, for the conversions. Uh, oh, um, anything, anything above that is deemed illegal. And the aim of that is, you know, we want to try to make the sport as equal and as level playing field for everyone as possible. We have a, a massive array of people with various disabilities. 
And we want to try and make the sport as even as possible. And part of that is regulating the speeds of the chairs, as well as, again, a bit of a safety issue as well. Last thing we want is if you think some of the, the players that are in the sports chairs, if you add their weight along with the wheelchair, some of them are up to 150, 200 kilos. So even two chairs coming together at full speed at 10 kilometers, it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, anyway. still, still a danger um, hazard. Definitely. So the way, the way that we monitor that is at the start of each match, the chairs are put on pretty much exactly the same as what you would go to at a mechanic shop for your car. If you put your chair on a dyno, um, if you want to like tune your engine and stuff. So our chairs get put on a dyno and basically we are speed tested before each match. And if we go over the 10 kilometers per hour limits, we are allowed another attempt at the speed test. And if that fails, then there are restrictions then as to like that player playing that game yeah. as well. So yeah. if you fail the speed test prior to the game, you miss the first half of the game, you're not allowed to play, you're out for the whole first half. And then you've only got one shot at being speed tested at halftime. And if you fail that again, then you're out of the game altogether. The way people change the speeds of the chairs is by programming the chair. So a lot of the chairs can be plugged into like a laptop or a, or a computer system of some sort. You can change the top speeds of everything. So if people don't have that quite right, and there's a lot of factors as well, even depending on how much air you've got in your tires, the weight of the uh, player, how much if you've got new batteries that you just put in the chair and you've not tested them yet. Um, a lot of different factors can actually change such a minute variation in speed as well. So it's really important as an athlete, especially when you're playing at the high, high level of power football, it's very, very important that you are, I guess that you keep on top of all, everything to do with your chair. They're basically your boots. They're like, these yeah. are our boots, basically. Ours is just a bit more expensive. Exactly. And they look sexier. Absolutely, they do. They look great. The next thing which, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this, Ben, is the whole way that classification works. So classification, we can speak about classification for hours, to be honest, because it's very technical. But I guess in a very simple term, we have two main forms of classification for athletes. Mm -hmm. So there's the PF1 and there's PF2. Make it simple in a nutshell. The PF1 classified players are players much like myself who have quite restricted hand movement, leg movement, and low vision. They may be more sort of the quadriplegic kind of people with disabilities. Mm. Uh, uh, is that, that's PF1. Yeah. And then the PF2 are the athletes who may have upper body movement. They may be able to have, be able to hold their upper torso unrestrained within each team you can only have a certain amount of PF2 players on the field at all times. So you must always have at least two PF1 players on the field at all time in your side. So both of us, just for those at home, we are both PF1 because we are both very disabled. We'll quickly go over like how substitutions work. There are no limit in the game for substitutions because of chair malfunctions and other situations like that this yep. can be used you know in, as a tactical way we saw with america in the world cup which was here in australia which was very good where they played like an offensive and a defensive team that it can be used in both a tactical way as well as for the benefit of the player 
Uh, the next thing which I'll get you to talk about, Ben, is how direct and indirect free kicks both work and how they vary, if that's all right. I'm testing my knowledge a bit, but yeah, so <laughs> I guess uh, a direct free kick is very similar to the world game or football around the world. So direct free kicks are anything that's illegal contact. So anything that the referee deems is a foul or an illegal tackle. It could also be an illegal handball. And believe it or not, we have had handballs in our sport. It can be dangerous contact, anything aggressive or untoward towards even referees and other players as well. And basically a direct free kick means that the attacking team who has the direct free kick, they can score straight from that direct dead ball situation and the ball does not have to be touched. And then an indirect free kick, so that's more for if more the two-on-one infringements that we discussed earlier in the podcast, as well as the three in the box, they will generate a, an indirect free kick. And an indirect free kick is when the attacking team has a dead ball situation. However, they can't score directly into the goal without it being touched. So the ball must be touched. It could be touched by a teammate or it could even be deflected by the opposition as well. Um, and that can be considered a goal as well. So yeah. th- they're the two main differences between a direct and an indirect free kick. So if you know football and you play football, it's exactly the same in terms so of that football as well. I think you should add as well how if the ball is not touched in an indirect free kick, it then goes to a goal kick for the other team as well. Right. Yeah, and one more thing I wanted to add in my research for this episode was that if you spit at the opposition, it is a direct free kick. If you... Yes, it would probably also generate a red card. Yeah, I, I found that one out. And yeah, I would I thought... imagine. That's a very interesting fact that you just brought up, Jackson. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was fun. There's only a couple things left that I wanted to cover. First yep. thing is that the dimensions of our court or field, whatever people want to call it, is 28 metres by 15 metres. It is a standard size basketball court. For those who are big basketball fans, I guess. So is there anything you wanted to add on that, Ben? No, I, I do think, unless it has changed, but I know at some stage there was minimum and maximums for the court um, sizes, especially when we go to World Cup stage and stuff. They do like to try and play a bit of a wider, a wider arena. Um, yeah. So sort of generates a bit more of a passing sort of style game. Yeah. It's um, better I... as well. I just took the average. I might insert the yep. uh, other lengths after. I'll just have a pause and then I'll insert them now. This is Jackson from the future to tell you that the maximum width and length of the field of play is 18 metres by 30 metres or 59 feet and 98 and a half feet. And the minimum is between 14 metres and 25 metres or 46 feet and 82 feet. Back to the show. Okay. So, the last thing is that uh, it's less of a rule in our sport and more of the absence of a rule in our sport, and that is that unlike able-bodied football, we do not have offsides at all. It's uh, null in our sport due to how both how the court works and how our positioning as players works, because having a player in a position that would be considered offside in able-bodied football is more useful or more beneficial to both them and the team. It's also useful for players of lower mobility. Uh, if they aren't able to move across the whole pitch the entire time, then they can uh, stay in that higher position. Uh, is there anything that you think I should add, Ben? I guess if you were to summarise pouch of football, 
it's basically along with the two on one rule as the biggest difference it's very very similar to futsal mm. um for, for wheelchairs is is how i would describe it yeah yeah perfect so we're that's basically everything that we had planned so i just had one question that i thought of on the fly ben and it's that if someone's listening yes. to this podcast and they didn't think that there was a sport for them and they've heard about parachute football just now what's your sort of elevator pitch to get them to start playing parachute football um just come come and have a go like you won't regret it um parachute football has given me so much in my life over the last 12 or 13 years however long i've been involved and i've been able to meet amazing people i've had an amazing opportunities I never would have thought I played for my country and represented Australia in any sport. So it's, it's definitely given me a big, a big reason. And it's, it's helped me keep going as well. It's given me a purpose as well. And being able to play for a professional football club in the Wanderers and now being able to captain them as well and um, see the likes of yourself, Jackson, that become, you know, the people you are as well now and see you guys grow. It's like something that I, I'm so thankful and I love about passion football. So if anyone's out there and you've never seen passion football or, you know, you're a bit lost and you want to come and meet a great group of people um, and experience wheelchair sport, then highly suggest come and, come and check us out and come and have a look at passion football. Yeah, that was really, really nice, Ben. Thank you so much. Uh, yep. That marks the end of the first episode of the Powered by Football podcast. Ben, thanks so much for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me, and I'm uh, be glad to come back anytime. All good, all good. Well, yeah, that's the end. Thank you so much for listening, and come and give Pouchy Football a try if you are in a position to. And if not, just come and watch. It's really fun. There's some really cool people, and yeah, thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Just a quick note that the views of this podcast are mine and mine alone. The opinions and thoughts expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the NSW PFA. To extend on what Ben was saying, you can get involved in Parachair Football here in New South Wales by visiting the NSW PFA website linked below. Our season takes place in Glenwood at the Valentine Sports Park from the 24th of February 2024 to the 6th of July 2024 every Saturday. Contact info at nswpfa.org.au for more information. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can follow us at Powered by Football Pod on Instagram, join our Facebook group, Powered by Football Podcast, or follow our Twitter account, Powered by Pod. Thanks for listening.